Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. My name is Adam Jones. Today we are reviewing a very good book called Perennial Seller, The Art of Making and Marketing Work That Last by Ryan Holiday. Mate, I actually haven't... This is the first Ryan Holiday book I've read. I've heard a few interviews with him. And whilst it's like... It's not that big a book. It's um, 200 pages or so. Mate, this is probably one of the biggest most notes I've ever taken. Yeah. I absolutely love it, man. I reckon um, comparing this advice to some other advice about making good shit, I reckon this is an absolute winner. Oh, 100%, man. I I wasn't expecting a hell of a lot. Yeah. But when I started reading it, I, I immediately found out it's a, it's a phenomenal book and I assume all these other books are going to be amazing as well. Mate, before you get stuck in, we got a funny email during the week. <laughs> got to read this out. Michael Donnelly. Um, just rambling about us. I've been listening to you guys for a couple of nights now. Came across you on iTunes looking for MJ DeMarco content. Um, and he says, I love the damn pink review and we'll buy a copy of it. Anyways, tell your birds, fuck our neighbor to chill out. And guys, don't be a little bitch next time he starts bashing on the door. <laughs> Mate, I'd say that's fair enough because uh, we were fucking pussies. Yeah, we, were. <laughs> we were absolutely pussies, right? So it's a throwback to the episode where we reviewed To Sell is Human where uh, I was doing it at my girlfriend's house and the, the next door neighbor cracked and he came in and tried to beat the shit out of us. <laughs> and mate, you, you wanted to cut Before it out, then, I thought we were... Thought, t- you thought we were going to look like oh, definitely, man. I didn't, I didn't want everyone to hear me at my lowest moment. <laughs> I want to be known as a warrior. Mate, Michael says, uh, <laughs> love the bantering chemistry. I even found myself singing it to, to your shitty song about sharpening the saw. <laughs> love it. And got to go. I'm off to join the patron club. Mickey from Newcastle in the UK. Yeah, legend. absolute champion. Absolute bloody legend. Bloody but legend. yeah, perennial seller. Yeah, so hit us, hit us with it, man. Mate, so it's sort of, it's about, I guess, you know, some things is sort of getting it done, just get a whole bunch of shit out there, throw it all out there, and eventually something's going to work. But this is like, no, you can't just put shit out there. You've got to actually take the time and make something that's really good quality and something that's going to last. Mm, that's right. So, so why do most creatives fa- fall short of making work that lasts for more than 10 minutes? He says, the truth is they never give themselves a real shot at it. They fail because strategically, they never had a chance. They want to make something timeless, except they focus on the immediate payoffs. Yeah, exactly, man. And there's a few, like, different people have talked about this over time. Like, there's a dude named Cyril Connolly in 1937, uh, wrote about making lasting work, making great art. This other dude talked about things that are imperishable and changeless freshness and transcends time. Basically, he says that a perennial, by definition, is regardless of how well it does at the release, like at the initial launch, it continues to find success and more and more customers over time. So whatever product you make, it will be highly valuable in 10 years' time. It's not just going to be something that just dies and then you lose and all your hard work just goes away. It's going to be there forever. He says it's a lot like gold or land. It, it, it actually increases in value over time because they are always of value to someone. Man, he talks about a thing called the Lindy Effect, which is named after this famous restaurant in uh, opened in 1921 in New York City, I believe. And it's interesting that every day more that something lasts, it increases the likelihood that it's going to keep lasting into the future. Mm. And so like Nassim Taleb will have to do his books eventually. He says that every year essentially doubles the additional lifespan. So like if something's been around for 50 years, it's probably going to be around for another 50 years. Mm, that's it. And so like if you think of books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Effective Executive, they're like 50 years old and still popular today. Or even like How to Friends and Influence People is like 80 years old. Yes, And totally. still relevant today and probably going to be relevant in 80 or 50 years time from now as well. Yeah, so in a nutshell, that's what perennial salaries is, making products that are going to, 
stand the test of time. And one such example, and these are in every industry, he says, but Shawshank Redemption, for example, mm. when it first came out in box office, it was only shown about a thousand times and it was completely underwhelming in the first yeah. year or two. But over time, it has actually grown in value and then is now known as you know one of the best films of all time. And year after year now, it's making millions and millions of dollars years and years after it actually made it. Man, another example is Bo- the Bowie bonds. So David Bowie actually raised a bank, paid him $55 million to have the rights to his back catalogue for 10 years. Yep. So essentially they said they knew that not his new stuff, forget all the new stuff, all his old stuff, they were willing to pay him $55 million because they knew over the next 10 years they were going to get more than that back mm. um, because it was just reliable that his old stuff was so perennial, people were going to keep seeking it out and keep buying it. Yep. So yeah, that's what all the the whole book's about. Um, part one of the book is about the creative process, which is from the mindset to the making of the magic. Yeah, and it's super important to think that we're like there's a lot of specific examples, but it's sort of for everything, man. He talks about that we're all selling ideas, whatever the form. The process is going to be the same, so we need to have these ideas that that sell forever. And he says that some terrible advice that people get is you know spend twenty percent of your time creating it and eighty percent of your time promoting it yep. and so they say you know marketing is where it's all at the product doesn't matter so much but he's saying that's bullshit you need yeah. to focus on the product yeah totally marketing and sales will, will completely fail if your product's a piece of shit yeah so it all exactly. begins with the, the product and if the product's <laughs> amazing then it'll be much easier for people to pass it on to other people and then your sales and, and marketing processes are pretty much done if you've got a good product yeah mate ideas are not enough in that he says that you know ideas are cheap anyone can have one but what he says is that uh, a quote from Austin Cleon, lots of people want to be the noun without doing the verb. Mm. So, you know, lots of people say, oh, I wish I could be a writer. Well, fucking write. Yep. Well, I want to be a singer. We'll start singing. And then it's sort of like this old school that the gatekeepers, you know, you're waiting for the record label to pick you. You're waiting for a publisher to choose your book. Mm. But the important thing is to actually do the verb, do the writing, do the singing, create the music, create the films, whatever it is, actually get out there and do it. Yep. And it's going to be absolutely bloody hard, he's saying. it's yeah. you know, If you're going to make something that lasts, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. It's just not going to get done. And you can't outsource this stuff e- yeah. either overseas. Yeah. You can't outsource your dating, for example, like yeah, I might exactly. have done in the past. <laughs> Mate, he talks about uh, Seth Godin's The Dip and that, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. You know, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of get-rich-quick people who will happily sell to you courses about how you can, you know, write a book in two days and mm. start selling it or, you know, do anything that's short-term and try and make money off it quickly. But anything like that, whilst you might make a bit of money early it's not perennial yeah. it's not going to be selling anything in 10 years time from now yeah you got to put your soul into it yeah. a few examples he has here is what what it might mean to make a perennial product he says elon musk compares starting a company with eating glass and staring into the abyss of death <laughs> george lucas who created star wars i think was yeah. literally ripping his hair out when creating the films and George Orwell is a really famous author. I said, writing a book is a horrible, exhausting struggle, like being driven on by some kind of demon. Crazy, man. So if you're, gonna, <laughs> if you're making real art, then this is the kind of <laughs> it's gonna process you need to go through. Mate, some other different examples, that it's not just books or anything like that, that he talks about the Sistine Chapel. It took four years just to paint that one ceiling, which is not that big mm. but it's still 500 years later so many people are still going out and checking it out same as the uh, La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona mate um, Gaudi started working on it in 1882 and it's due for completion in 2026 so it's going to be a 140 year yeah. <laughs> build <laughs> <laughs> so he says from sacrifice comes meaning 
and from struggle comes purpose. If you're to create something important and powerful, you must be driven by an equally powerful inner force. Yeah. Nice. I love it, man. And a super important thing is to focus on things that don't change. So find the things that are, find the timeless things in timely events. Man, a criticism we had of crushing it is that all the examples are going to be out of date in six months. Mm. Whereas he talks about things like Seinfeld, where whilst the Seinfeld was made 20 years ago, actually more than 20 years ago now, the things are still relevant, like relationships between men and women, you and your friends hanging out, shit bosses, all this sort of stuff that's not going to change. Yeah. And so that's why it's still popular today because it was timeless stuff. And he says again with the Lindy effect, if it's been around 20 years ago, it's yeah. more likely that it's going to be around for another 20. Yeah, exactly. And this comes up in the marketing section, but I'll drop it now anyway. Yeah. But emailing is is one of those kind of examples with the Lindy effect. It's mm. going to be around for another 20 years, but Instagram and Facebook, you never know because it hasn't yes. been around that long yet. Yeah, exactly. Very true, man. Mate, some important things to think about at the start of your project. So obviously, if you're going to make something perennial, it's going to be a bloody slog that's going to take you a fair amount of time. So you need to decide pretty quickly at the start these important things. So he says you need to be able to say that any project, you need to know what you're doing. You need to know what you're not doing. You need to know who you're doing it for and you need to know who you're not doing it for. Exactly. So you need a super clear idea. I'm doing this for these people. Yep. And that's a big failure that I've, we've probably both fallen oh, into definitely. in the past. But the question you get to start at, you know, ask at the very start of the creative process is who is this for? Yep. Find your niche and, and scratch it. So think of, he says some stage in the book, think of one specific person and then make the product for that, that yep. person as your niche. Very nice. Don't go Another too wide. Another thing to think about at the start is, is uh, the Blue Ocean Strategy, which is a book we haven't done yet, but we should. And that's saying that you could go out and battle with thousands of other competitors in the red bloody water, or you can sail out to some blue water where there's no competition, and that's where you want to you know, find that uncontested blue ocean. Yeah, blue ocean, go for a quick quick, quick swim. <laughs> yeah. He has a, another reference to another good book here, which I haven't read, but I know you have, um, the Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, he says that the counterfeit innovator is widely self-confident. The real one is scared to death. Yeah. So when you're making a product and you're putting your real soul into it, you're going to be shit scared and that's a natural part yeah. of the process when you're creating something that might be perennial because if it was part of the status quo, it's probably not going to be perennial and that'll be safe. Yeah, you know? exactly, man. And that's where you say the counterfeit innovator is self-confident because they're not actually risking anything. Whereas a true innovator, they've put a hell of a lot of themselves into the project. And it's going to divide an audience, he says. So if you put out a record and something like a record and half the people love it and half hate it, he yep. says you've done pretty well. That's because good, it, yeah. Because <laughs> you know it's pushing the boundaries. Yeah. So we kind of do it, do that at the end of the episodes. <laughs> half people love it or hate it, but I don't, I don't know yeah, how so. perennial those songs are, man. <laughs> Mate, part two? is positioning positioning so from polishing to perfection to packaging and he says that deep down we all harbor this fantasy we want to be chosen which which we sort of talked about but that's just not how it works anymore and he says that anything uh any perennial seller is made by an artist who instead of you know just handing off their manuscript to the publisher or uh any example like that they see everything as their responsibility everything they've got to take control of their own fate not simply as the artist, but also as the maker, also as the manager, also as everything else. Yeah, it all comes down to you. And he keeps saying you can't outsource some of these important things. Yeah. So you're the CEO. There's no one who is going to come and save you yeah. for your product. It's your product. And if you want to make it work, it's up to you. Yeah. This isn't in the book, but say in a book on a like four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, I think he got knocked down 39 times before it actually got out there. How yeah. much? 
I think he said 27. 27. But close enough. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> but that's an example of a perennial book that actually yeah. got out there. And you know, Mate, I heard Chicken Soup for the Soul was like 150 or more. Really? That they got rejected and now they've sold $200 million worth of books or some shit like yep. that. Yep. Absolutely um, unbelievable. Yeah, that, uh, and that's the thing was that they didn't just say, okay, here, you're the publisher. You go take this out and do it. They said, no, we're, we're going to actually You to take it in your own it. hands. And a big part of the creative process at the start is finding your editor. Yeah. He says that uh, there's a few quotes here. Ernest Hemingway said the first draft of anything is shit. Yeah. <laughs> nobody creates flawless first drafts and nobody creates better second drafts without the intervention of something else. So mm. that's why you need to find that. Somebody else to, whilst you think it's perfect there's a hell of a lot of improvement that could be made. Mm, so there's a bit of a paradox there. Whilst the, the chances of success and failure might sit on you, you must undertake this difficult par- task mm. of finding someone to review your work. Yeah, that's and it. And at this stage, you might have spent a long time and gone through this grueling process of building something that you thought was amazing. Then you, you push it out to some people and they say it's shit. Yeah. You know, you just got to cop it and then, yeah. then go back through the process <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you want to make something sick. Mate, just when you think you're done, you often find that you're not even close to being finished. Mate, yeah. that's what I remember uh, another, I don't know what you keep mentioning, but Tim Ferriss. But Tim Ferriss, <laughs> um, he said that, uh, you know, he was telling one friend when he was writing the four hour work week, um, a friend asked him how it's going and he said, yeah, yeah, it's good. Tim said, oh, I'm nearly. I'm, I'm like 90% done and the friend's like, cool, you've got about 50% to go then. <laughs> Just because even though you think you're close to being finished, there's a hell of a lot that you don't know what's to come. Yeah, totally, man. And he says, and this is, I didn't really, this goes against my grain a little bit, <laughs> but he says, you must deliberately forsake all other missions. If your goal is to make mm. a masterpiece, like something amazing, a perennial seller for a specific audience, it follows that you, you, you can't also hope that it is trendy of the moment side hustle. It just can't be something on the yeah. side. You've got to kind of forsake all other missions, all other side projects, yeah. your day-to-day job and put everything into this thing that you're trying to make. Yeah. He does sort of talk about earlier on that, about always testing, constantly testing and like MVP sort of stuff. So it's not just like you think this is going to be perennial and just go for it. Mm. you still got to keep in mind those things that you've got to test stuff. You've got to try different things out. You've got to constantly tweak it. But he's sort of saying that, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to commit to this one thing. You can't just be something on the side that you do for two hours a week. It's yeah, got to be fucking It's going to be a lot of sacrifice involved with this stuff. Man, he talks about the three Ps, positioning, which he says is uh, what your project is and who it's for. Packaging is what it looks like and what it's called. And then the pitch is the sell. So how you describe it and how you tell an audience what uh, it's going to offer them. Yeah. So that's what you need to get the, the audience's attention. And about, I think he's, uh, he's, he's actually a marketing background. Yeah, he is Ryan, yeah, so. very much so. Um, and what I thought was interesting, man, he says that anything that you create, you're not just competing against all the new stuff. So you're not competing against all the books that are being written right now or you're not competing against all the songs that people are producing right now. You're competing against everything that's ever been made. Yeah. Because it's not... Someone's not going to the top 10 best-selling books and picking one of them. They're going to go to the top 10 best-selling books of all time mm. and see if yours is better than that or not. Yeah, yeah. if you're writing it, something in self-help, you're competing with Seven Habits. Yeah. Or if you're writing music, you're competing with the Rolling Stones. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So you've got to realize that you're not just competing against new shit, you're competing against everything that's ever been made. Yeah. Part three of the book is marketing, from courting to coverage and pushing to promotion. And, mate, another interesting thing, that a quote from the book Zero to One, again, we haven't done it yet, but he says that if uh, Peter Thiel talks about if you walk into a company um, and if you don't see any salespeople around, 
then you're the salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> so again, back to what we we're saying about taking responsibility, taking ownership. You're the CEO. You're also the salesperson. Yep. You're the marketer. Yeah, it's you're your product. It's your stuff, and you got to go out there and push it. Yourself. It all fa- falls down on you. So a lot of the hard work's been done now. So up till now, you've gone through. You've, as Elon Musk said, you've eaten glass, <laughs> yeah. gone through excruciating pain. To <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you survived this process. But you're in an elite club now. You've made something that's amazing, but. You know, if you don't do the next part of marketing, then it really won't get to the point where it's perennial and it's up to you to go out there and do the marketing and selling. Mate, there's a um, well-quoted quote from the Field of of Dreams, build it and they will come. But Peter Thiel was saying, just because you build something doesn't mean a customer is going to come along and buy it necessarily. (laughs) The hard part is actually getting... Yeah, it is a shame. Um, he says you've got to make that happen yourself, and it's harder than it looks. Yeah, and there's a lot of noise out there at the moment. Yeah, it's and mate, that's, a, that's another thing that noise. he says. You've got to remember, nobody cares about what you've made for mm. a few reasons. Firstly, how could they possibly know what it is if you don't go out there and tell them? Also, you've got to remind yourself people are busy. As much as we hate to say it, people are, have got other priorities. Yeah. And essentially, it's your job to make people care. Mm. The people have been burnt many times before of some salesperson coming over and saying this is the best product you'll ever have and they've been burnt. Yeah. So they're resistant to it. So you've got to make them, you've got to show them, you've got to make them believe. Totally. And for, for Ryan, he says the, the the best marketing strategy, he doesn't really care so much about the paid kind of advertising. Mm. He says the only thing that, that works if you think about anything you've ever really bought and that's word of mouth. Yeah, very much purple cow. He says that anything that you're doing should be with the aim to generate more word of mouth. So get someone to tell someone else about it. Yep. So organic natural recommendations of the product should be the goal of the whole marketing plan from the very start. Mate, so McKinsey, a big um, uh, management consulting firm, they, in their studies, they said between 20 and 50% of all purchasing decisions happen from some version of word of mouth. And they said that a high impact recommendation, so someone strongly recommending it that you trust, converts 50 times better mm. than regular marketing. So that's phenomenal, man. Yep. He says when you're launching your perennial product, a launch date might be a good idea. Yeah. And it's sort of like that thing that there's so much out there. And whilst a launch is completely artificial, that you can, once you've put your product out there, it can be bought at any time. This artificial launch, a bit of scarcity, a bit of excitement around it, is what can get it sort of moving in that. People buy what other people are buying, yep. if that makes sense. So they go for things that feel like they've got momentum. And having this launch feels like it's got momentum. It feels like other people are choosing it at the moment, so they jump on board too. Mm. And he says repetition is really important. So when you launch it, you want to be hit from all kinds of angles, yeah. where there might be Facebook, Instagram, email, yeah. podcasts, or anything like that, yeah. just so they keep, they keep being reminded that the product's actually out there and, and you need to buy it. And that's what Ben Horowitz uh, said of Andreessen Horowitz, the uh, VC firm, I believe. He says there is no silver bullet when it comes to marketing, so you're going to have to use a hell of a lot of lead bullets. Yeah. So just got to, there's no one thing that's <laughs> going to work, so you've got to try a whole bunch of stuff. You've got to do everything. And one of those things might be free, free, free. And that's just saying that free can actually be a good thing. So Yeah, you've got to be comfortable to give someone a little bit of a taste of what you got. Yep. And the biggest problem for, for artists isn't privacy. It's more about obscurity. Yeah. If people don't know, know you exist, then you've yes. got no hope from the start. So free is a good way of getting your foot in the door. And exactly. an example of that might be podcasts, for example. I know um, he talks about uh, Paulo Coelho, the alchemist, in that yeah. he actually made a whole bunch of like, he spread a whole bunch of like fake, I think, Russian translations of the alchemist. Mm. And he wasn't worried that people were going to take his stuff and copy it. Because he knew if someone got a taste of it and really liked it, he's got 20 other books that they can buy as well. Yeah. 